This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. It's an interesting uh, sermon that I want to share with you today, and uh, what I mean by interesting is it's quite personal. Um, I'm going to begin with a question in just a moment, but this question that I'm going to ask every one of us in the room no matter if you've been married 40 years and you have the tightest connection that you've ever had or know one another as well as anybody could know one another. doesn't matter if you're a twin, a best friend, um, maybe you think very much alike. As I ask this question, I believe everyone in the room today will answer differently. Based on your life circumstances, based on the times when you have prayed and God has answered that prayer, or maybe you've prayed and Unfortunately, God wasn't there and didn't answer the prayer. Now, when I say wasn't there, we feel that way sometimes. But the question would be this. How much does doubt play a role in your life? That's a tough question. I could ask it the other way. I could say, how much does faith play a role in your life? And hopefully it does. But many times I believe as Christ followers... Doubt, we tend to connect more with. Somehow we can understand doubt more than we can faith. And I hope to change that today. I hope to give you a a glimpse of, of an idea of who our God is, how much he wants to truly bless us, and how faith does play a role in our life. But unfortunately for many of us, doubt is something that we connect more with. A couple of years ago, man, this is sad. I say a couple four years ago, my daughter, Tessa, was four years old, and she was having trouble going to sleep. And so she called Courtney in. Mom, I can't sleep. I'm scared. I can't get my mind off it. It's dark. I don't like it. And so Courtney went into the room and began to talk to her. She prayed with her, and she said, Tessa, God is right here with you. And Connor overheard the conversation, so he went running in there. He's about eight at this time. And being the eight-year theologian that Connor was at this time, he piped in and he said, yeah, Tessa, God's right in the room with us. Like, it could be his big arm, or maybe it's his crusty big toe, but it's right here with us. And he encouraged her with that. So maybe if there's a time in your life when you feel like God's not there, just picture a crusty big toe, and maybe that'll make you feel better, based on Connor's theology. We may believe that God can do something. Here's the problem. Many times we just don't believe God will do it for us. I said this is a little bit personal, and it can be, because it comes to forgiveness. We can picture God forgiving someone else, and we love the idea that Jesus died on the cross. And we like we hear it all the time that he died on the cross for each and every one of us. But we can have it in our minds and wrap our minds around the idea that Jesus died for that person and he forgives them. But when it comes to us, we have a hard time believing that he could forgive us. God has the ability to heal people. And when I pray, I believe he could heal that person. I just have a hard time believing he could heal me. God is a God who can deliver someone from addiction. I just have a problem believing that he could do that for me. Many of us deal with doubt in our lives. 
I want to examine a story this morning in Mark chapter 9 of someone who sort of believed. Isn't that interesting? He received the miracle he was going for, even though he just sort of believed. Now, I want to set the context for this, Mark chapter 9, and if you're already there, that's great. Um, but Jesus has been up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. The other nine disciples are down, and they're in town, and they're, honestly, they've been performing miracles. They've just been doing the work that Jesus set them out to do. And here comes a man who has this boy who's overcome with evil spirits. He's brought them, this boy, to the disciples, and they were unable to help him. But Jesus shows up on the scene, and I want you to see what happens. Mark chapter 9, verse 15. Immediately when they saw him, meaning Jesus, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them, meaning the other disciples? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Jesus responds, verse 19. Let me stop there for just a moment. The reason this man brought his son to the disciples first, even though Jesus wasn't there, if you look at Luke's account of this same story, in Luke chapter 6, excuse me, Luke chapter 9, Jesus actually tells the disciples, I give you authority to be able to remove demons from people. So this man knows they've been already performing other miracles. They may have already been getting demons out of other people. So this man's thinking, I just got to get them to the disciples. But unfortunately, in this situation, they were not able to help him. So here's verse 19. Jesus said... O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when they saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? He said from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I want you to do me a favor. Look at your neighbor. Say, if you can believe, all things are possible. Now I want this to sink in. So maybe look the other way at the other neighbor and say, if you can believe, all things are possible. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that, the people came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. What an incredible story. What a miraculous story. And in this moment, this man was not completely full of faith. He did act on the faith he did have, but he was not completely full of faith. Now, there's three Greek words I want to share with you today. 
And so if you want to write these down, you can. That's what I was checking the back of the bulletin for, wondering if they were on there. I didn't see them. So maybe you want to write them down. There's three Greek words that are going to help us understand the essence of this story and what's really going on here. The first one is the Greek word for brought. It says the man brought his son to Jesus. The, brought, um, the Greek word for brought is kratio, which means to use strength, to carry or to seize. This man didn't just come walking up the road with his son. He had to literally grab him, control him, and carry him to Jesus. Can you imagine how long he's been dealing with this? We don't know how old the boy was. All we know is he's had the issue since childhood. I cannot imagine as a parent having to watch my child be controlled in such a way. But this man was desperate. So he literally seized his son or took control of him and brought him to the disciples. His son was distraught. Verse 18, the father said, whenever this evil spirit seizes him, throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. What an awful thing to have to experience. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Like I said, since childhood. Now this next statement, in my mind, captures the heart of this situation. Because the father says something to Jesus. He says, if you can do anything at all, please take pity on us and help us. That one simple little two-letter word, if. If you are really Jesus, if you have the power, can you please take pity on us and help us? If you are truly who you say you are, if can mean two things. If can be packed with doubt. Well, if you can do it, then I guess go ahead. I don't know. I'm not really seeing it. But if it's possible or it can be expressed with hope. If you are who you say you are, if you can help us, please do This father is longing to see his son healed. When it comes to our faith, many of us deal with the word if. One way or the other. We can pray, but somewhere in the back of our minds, there's an if. There's a hint of doubt. And so as we look at this story, I think there's three simple reasons why Doubt tends to enter our mind. I think we can relate to the man in the story. And the first one is this. God doesn't always do what we would do in every situation. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, this is, it's hard to admit to, but God does not always do what we would do. Imagine being the father. If he were God, don't you think? The moment the son is having this issue, would he not step in and just heal him like that? If you were God, how many things in your life would be different? How many times would you have instantly done something and taken care of it? So let's be honest. Sometimes we may doubt because God doesn't totally do it the way we would. Maybe you even grew up in Sunday school hearing things like, you know, if you read your Bible and pray and you're a good person, God will bless you. That's absolutely true. I believe that. But you find yourself in a crisis maybe in pain, waking up every single day, hurting. Maybe you find yourself depressed and you're asking yourself, where is God? We 
find ourselves in doubt. I can remember, I've told you many times before already, times where Courtney and I prayed specific prayers and God answered those prayers. But I can also tell you times when we prayed and God didn't. A few years ago, my wife had a spot on her nose and we went to the doctor and he gave us an option. He said, it's cancer and you can have this option. You can wait and uh, you can see if it heals up or pray that it will, or we can set an appointment and cut it off right now. So we chose to wait and we began to pray, believing that God would heal her. You know what? We had to go to the doctor and we had to have it cut out. She's cancer free today. She doesn't have it on her nose now, thankfully. But did it happen the way I would have done it? And many times we find ourselves saying, God doesn't totally do it the way I would. Number two, we've tried things that didn't work. Maybe you read a book, five things to experiencing stronger faith, five things to attain your miracle or whatever it might be. There's all kinds of books out there. There's all kinds of things out there. People have taught, if you'll do this, this, and this, then God will help you. Maybe you've tried some things and they didn't work. Or maybe people around you express doubt and that wears off. Think about this father bringing his son to the disciples. He wanted them to heal him. They tried, but it didn't happen. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees and scribes begin to mock him, begin to make fun of him. Oh, you really think you can take care of this demon? Really? You have the power to do that? And they start expressing doubt. How many of you know that had to wear off on the father a little bit? He's probably thinking, am I crazy? What am I doing here? Maybe you've prayed for something before. You've been believing for something. And maybe there's family members or friends or co-workers who say, what are you doing? Really? You think God can handle that? There's lots of reasons that we find ourselves with doubt. The father in the story had similar faith struggles. Here he was, his son hurting, and he did the only thing he knew to do, get him to Jesus. As I thought about his faith, I would describe it as partial faith. He admitted it. He, he didn't try to hide it. He said, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Jesus seems surprised because when the, when the father says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus seems surprised. He says, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. And verse 24, here's the next Greek word I want to show you. Immediately, the father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. The word exclaimed comes from the Greek word krazo. It means to croak like a raven. Caw, caw! Yeah, I just woke everybody up. I have no idea what a raven sounds like, so that's probably the worst raven you've ever heard. It's the best I could do. But it means to croak or scream or call out or shriek. I do believe. Sort of. I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Which brings me to the final Greek word I want to show you, the word unbelief. In this translation, when he's talking here, the Greek word for unbelief is apostia. It means actively disbelieving. So we got a man that's going from saying, I mean, he's croaking, he's screaming with everything within him, I do believe. Yet it says he's actively 
disbelieving at the same time. A passively untrusting person. Anybody ever been there? I think we can all relate to this. We've all had those moments when we wanted to believe with everything within us. And we had some faith. But there was just a part of us that kept going back to, yeah, but, or what if. So what do we do when we're here? I can't give you a six-step way out of this, but I can give you the truth of God's word. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, which tells us that faith comes by what? And hearing by what? Let's try that again with everybody. Faith comes by what? Come on, faith comes by what? And hearing by what? The word of God. Church, when you are finding yourself having hard time believing, the very best thing you can do is find the word of God. If you begin to seek the word of God, you will find faith. God is the one who gives us faith. Man, it's part of why we sing these songs every week. These are coming from scripture. And as we sing these songs over and over, I hope they begin to just melt into your mind and that you walk out of here singing them because what you're doing is you're singing the word of God and you're placing that in your mind and that without even realizing it begins to build your faith. As you're hearing these songs, as you're hearing the word of God this morning. So what I want to do next is look at what the father did. He did two simple things. Is, it, is this story not in the word of God? I'm not making this up, right? You're reading along with me in Mark chapter 9. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, don't you think we can take the story that we're talking about and we can use that to build our faith? Absolutely. So let's look at two things, two simple things the man did. The first thing we see is he was just honest about his faith. He didn't come in saying, oh, I believe all in. I mean, I know God can do this, and I'm just, I'm here to get my miracle. Where's it at? No, he was very honest. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. If you study the life and ministry of Jesus, he had little tolerance and patience for faith. Whether that be fake faith or fake Christians. He called the Pharisees out every single time. He had zero tolerance for fake. So don't come in and try to fake it. How about just be real and say, God, here I am. I believe, but I need help in my unbelief. Amen. Fastest way to your healing in the presence of God is authenticity. Don't pretend, because let's just be real. Can you really fool God anyway? No. He already knows your heart before you walk in the door, before you open your mouth, before you say a prayer. God already knows your heart. The second thing, after he was honest and open about what he was dealing with, the second thing he did, the most important thing, is he acted on the faith that he did have. It may not have been 100%. It may not have been all in. He might have been actively disbelieving. That's what the Bible tells us. But he still got his miracle. Why? Because he acted on the faith that he did have. James chapter 2 verse 26 tells us this. As the body without the spirit is dead. 
Think about that. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds, faith without actions, faith without acting on it is dead. It's actually not faith at all if you don't act on it. That means you truly don't believe or you would act on it. That's what's beautiful about the story is Jesus does not condemn the father for his lack of faith. He condemns those standing around that didn't believe. Oh, unbelieving generation, how long must I be with you? But he didn't say to the, to the father, nice try, pops, go home and come back when you have more faith. He honored the faith that he did have. Jesus is the one who told us in Luke chapter 6, if you even have the faith the size of a mustard seed, Say a prayer and watch me go. That's the promise he gave us. If you can believe, all things are possible. Another promise that Jesus gave us. We have to act on the faith that we do have. Can I tell you something? If you don't act on the faith, I promise you, you'll never get your miracle. You'll never find what you're looking for if you're not willing to act on the faith you do have. Do we all struggle with doubt? Absolutely. Do we need help with that? Absolutely. That's why he gave us this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He knew we were going to struggle with that. So he gave us the antidote to struggling. He gave us the answer by giving us the word of God. But if God is calling you to step out in some way and you're saying, I just don't know. I, I'm not sure. Act on the faith that you do have and watch him work. There's an animal called an African Impala. Chevy named one of their cars after the Impala. It's a small version of a deer in Africa. The Impala can leap up to 10 feet in the air. They're a pretty fast animal. And when running, they can jump up to 30 feet in distance. Think about that. 10 feet in the air, 30 feet in distance. Yet they can be held in captivity with a three-foot wall. Why? Because if they can't see where their feet are going to land, they won't jump. If they don't know what's on the other side, they will not take a leap. How many of us live in captivity because we're unwilling to take a leap of faith? We're captured within the walls because we're unwilling. We don't know what's going to happen if we take that leap of faith. We don't know where we're going to land. We don't know how it's going to end up. So we're unwilling to step out and just take a step of faith. We're unwilling to act on the faith that we do have. And the Bible is very clear that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You may have to jump. You may not know where you're going to land, but if you will act on the faith that you do have, God is faithful. And if you can believe, what does he promise? All things are possible. I want to close with an Old Testament story for you. We like the New Testament stories of Jesus, but I don't think there's a greater faith story than this one. The title of my sermon today was Faith in Motion. Putting actions to your faith. Acting out the faith that you do have. Just as the Father did. 
you look in the Bible, in Daniel chapter 3, there's three teenage boys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They made two of the greatest faith statements I think you can find in the Bible. Back to back. You see, King Nebuchadnezzar was not happy because these three boys were not worshiping the gods that everybody else was. And he called them in and he said, listen, boys, unless you renounce your God and you start worshiping these idols, I'm throwing you in the fiery furnace. You guys have heard this. So what's he do? What do they do? Excuse me. Look at verse 17 of Daniel chapter 3. And I'll have them put it up there. To me, this is the second greatest statement. The, the, the greatest statement is verse 18. Verse 17, I think, is the second greatest statement. It says this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, listen to this, he says, is able to save us from it. There's no doubt in that. It's not if he's able to save. Is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from the hand, O king. From your hand, O king. He is able and he will. That is a faith statement that is not wavering. There is no doubt in that. He is able and he will. But I love the next one. Verse 18. Here's the if, if you really want to find it. I love this. These three boys say this. Even if he does not, we know he's able and we know he will. But even if he does not, I want you to know, King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set before us. That was faith in action. They were leaping, not knowing where they were going to land. They could have been toast. And even if they were, it's okay because we're going to serve our God anyway. Why? Because he is the all-knowing, ever-present power of God. And he can do if you can believe. Act on the faith that you do have. Are you going to find doubt? You find it anywhere. It's always there. Satan loves nothing more than to fill us with doubt. serve a God. If it's forgiveness you need, He is able. If it's healing you need, He is able. If it's deliverance you need, He is able. One more story. It has nothing to do with God. I just want to show you what faith can do for us. So just, I don't like to say this, but set God to the side for a moment. Let me tell you another story. Throughout history, science told us it was impossible to run a four-minute mile. Everyone had tried. No one could do it. It was not humanly possible. The, the physical body could not run fast enough Four laps around the track in less than one minute each to make it under four minutes. It was impossible. It was known. Nobody could do it. Until 1954. A man by the name of Roger 
banister. Ran the mile in three minutes, 59.1 seconds. You know what's interesting? Six weeks later, the next guy ran the mile in under four minutes. A few weeks later, two guys in the same race ran the mile in under four minutes. The next month, three more guys ran the mile. The following year, over 30 people ran the mile in under four minutes. Now they don't even keep record of everybody who runs the mile in under four minutes because it's just doable. It's possible. It took one man proving, and once one man could do it, it's like, I can do this. If he can do it, I can do it. And because someone proved science wrong, proved the body wrong, proved everyone wrong, once one man could do it, many could. That's without God. How many stories do we have of God performing miracles? If I were to just line you up in the room and ask you, how many of you have experienced a miracle of God in your life? We could be here all day hearing the stories. Church, he is real. He can perform miracles. It is possible to those who believe. He's proven it time and time and time again. Will you bow your heads? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown in fire. Just in case you don't know the story. That king did exactly what he said he was going to do. But so did God. As the three of them were thrown into the fiery furnace, the Bible tells us. The king began to look in there and he said, wait a minute. I put three boys in there. There's a fourth person in that fire. There was God doing exactly what they said he could do. The Bible says they didn't even come out singed, smelling of fire. That's how good our God is. And that same God is the God that can forgive you. I don't care what people have told you. I don't care how many times you've heard it from the devil. The lies the devil wants to tell you to say, he can forgive others, but he'll, he'll never forgive you. Can I tell you this morning? If you can believe, all things are possible. You've been facing a marriage that you have heard time and time and time again. It's over. It will not last. We can't do it. If you can believe, all things are possible. Father, I pray, first of all, that you help us with our doubt. Help us when we don't believe. Thank you for giving us your word 
that says as we read it, as we hear it, it builds our faith. We can find faith even when we feel as though we have none. You've given us the answer to that. Father, help us to act on the faith that we do have. To be willing to take a leap. To be willing to step out. No matter what someone else thinks. No matter what the devil is speaking in our ear. That we would step out and act on the faith that we do have. Believing that you are able. Father, thank you for the work you're doing in this place. In the hearts and lives of those who needed a boost of faith today. Who needed an answer. Who needed healing from a broken heart. Thank you for the prayers that are being answered and that are going to be answered as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we remain in this time of worship, I want to invite you to take a moment to go and receive communion. If you're new with us, we do this towards the end of just about every service, every week. Sometimes we do it in the middle, sometimes at the beginning, but we've got four stations around the room. We just invite you to go and have a moment with your Savior, remembering what he has done for each and every one of us. And do this together as a family, with friends, or on your own, however it works best for you. But we give you this opportunity to do that now. So we go and just receive the elements this morning. Thank you.